Hey, this is Adao Steve from the Sportsnet.ca, and you're listening to the Jays Journal Podcast with Ari Shapiro. Your host, as always, Ari Shapiro, here for another episode, taking a look at your favorite team in the baseball universe, the Toronto Blue Jays. On tonight's episode, I'm going to cover a lot of things, and one area will be the concern that fans have that after the winning month of April, certain disturbing trends started surfacing and rearing their ugly heads. In particular, the early clutch hitting that this team was known for, specifically hitting 343 with runners in scoring position in the first 17 games, all but disappeared in the last 13, which I believe is around 167, a buck 67. In other words, back to those levels last year that made so many of you frustrated and sick. Starting pitching remains an issue. Even though Jay Happ, with his amazing, marvelous, almost superhuman consistency, and Aaron Sanchez, with no signs of that, of those ailing blisters from last year, even with their heroics, the Blue Jays have received virtually zero contributions from Marco Estrada, Marcus Stroman, and Jaime Garcia. And as long as that remains the case, this team will find itself losing more and more of all that collateral that they built up in the month of April. Of course, I've just noticed in the background that Josh Donaldson has hit a two-run home run to get the Jays back into that first game in Cleveland. Boy, I'll tell you, there's nothing quite like podcasting while there are active live events going on in the background. The other area of the team that I'm going to talk about is their relief pitching, which has been the real difference maker uh, between O, Barnes, Tepera, and Osuna. The Blue Jays find themselves having the kind of back-end relief that is a rarity in baseball because it's one thing to have a great closer and a decent setup man, but when you have a full unit in your bullpen that you can deploy whenever you have a lead, you usually end up keeping it. And of course, there was also the return of Josh Donaldson, who is not only off and running in his first game back with the team, but is their best player, a player that we all know that they somehow managed to win without. And that's important because I've got with me on this episode a phenomenal roundtable that's going to take a closer look at some of these issues. In particular, how the Blue Jays have started this year, how they've cooled off a little bit, why certain players haven't shown up, and should we put stock in the fact that they can do well with these players struggling the way they are, and how we start reconciling the lack of discipline in this lineup. The Blue Jays are free swingers. They hack away. Their strikeout rate is, is nearing astronomical rates. You factor in a little bit of the Kendris Morales quagmire, and then you add in all the pressure coming in from the minor leagues with the record-breaking performance by, by Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Needless to say, I'm thrilled to have two men who will help me tackle a lot of these issues on this episode's roundtable. The first one is from Prospects1500.com, great blogger and writer Jason Waddell, a regular on this show, and the other gentleman is the Dow Steve. That is how you know him from Sportsnet 
one of the primetime contributors on all baseball insight related to the Blue Jays across the country. So let's head into that roundtable and take a closer look. I started this roundtable off with asking them about their thoughts on the Blue Jays' hot start, the recent challenges they've had, and what they need to do in order to be successful in the month of May and moving forward. Well, I definitely think it's just a blip in the radar. Uh, The main thing is uh, the Jays had a winning month, and their schedule was pretty tough. Uh, The AL East is, is... is pretty brutal, and they pr- more than held their own against uh, against divisional opponents. Yeah, you know, uh, this is uh, this is the way I guess that that seasons run, and I guess we sort of forget that in the early months. But you know, you sort of you have a good series, you have a few good series. Uh, the Boston series, frankly, was one where they were close in all those games, and they were all good games. And then, you know, the 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 first two games of the Texas series were a little bit of a letdown. Um, this is still a team that's playing without its best player at the moment. And so I, I think that uh, on a certain level, you'll cut them a little bit of slack. Uh, they're, they're certainly far better off this uh, April than they have been in any recent memory. So, you know, we'll take this and, uh, and then just sort of look ahead into, uh, I guess what's going to be a, a, a pretty, hellacious week to come in terms of a, a road trip but you know i think you'd probably you'd probably take this well and it's interesting isn't it to think that it's not just a matter of the caliber of opposition that you anticipate you may win or, or you know you may beat for example if you know a, a white Sox or a rangers team is coming into town or the royals you do what the jays did this month which is you win the series and in some cases you even sweep them um, but when you know it's a Boston or a Cleveland or a Houston um, or someone like the New York Yankees, the expectation is you're not going to do well. Uh, I think we can all agree that maybe an early barometer for how this team will do against upper echelon teams was probably the Cleveland series, but unfortunately it got rained out. So really, Dow, when we look at the last couple of weeks, h- how can we be surprised that this team struggled mightily against the beasts of the AL East? Well, I don't think you, I don't think you can be surprised, um, but you know, I, I think certainly in terms of the uh, the the series against the Red Sox, like I said, I, th- I thought that they held in there. I thought that they played pretty well against a team that's really good. I mean, uh, and and I think that they were a really good team last year, and and you know maybe the results uh, weren't there to the degree that they maybe should have been, but. Um, you know, uh, the Blue Jays are, 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 I think, a team that uh, was interesting coming into the season. They're getting more interesting the more that we're getting to see uh, what they have and, and, and rather than sort of the theoreticals of, you know, who some of these new players are to actually sort of to see them in Jays uniforms and to get a sense of, of uh, what they can do, and 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 that's been, I think, really sort of the highlight of this uh, of this first month, and 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 I think a lot of people can look at that and and imagine them hanging in, uh, mm. you know, maybe they're maybe they're a step behind uh, the Red Sox, uh, a step behind the Yankees, perhaps, but they're not that far back. I agree. Looking at the the caliber of opponent that they've that they played really against the good teams. You just want to be able to tread water. Uh, you, you can't go 
six and thirteen against the Red Sox and Yankees, but uh, one game under five hundred against them is is acceptable in my mind if you handle the teams that you're supposed to. So beating up on the Rays and and the Orioles is even more important now, just because of of how deep Boston and New York are, and how much it would be as a challenge to kind of overcome just the talent on those rosters. So you have to pound those lesser, those weaker teams, uh, and not even take series, but really shoot for sweeps. While just really just kind of, if you want to keep up with them, you just got to tread water with them. Well, and a winning month is a great way to start the baseball season. You can't you can't doubt that. Um, especially with how it began with um, things like improvements in areas of defensive play, clutch hitting. Early on, the starters were coming up with as close to quality starts as you'll find. But now we're seeing in the last few weeks, and again, part of it is because of the caliber of talent, but part of it I think we can all agree is the issue of certain players who haven't really even shown up this year. I mean, Marcus Stroman has no quality starts to speak of this year. If I had told you that the Blue Jays would have a winning April with Marcus Stroman not having a single quality start, you'd probably think I was insane. The same with not having Josh Donaldson in your lineup or the fact that your starting catcher, right fielder most of the time, and DH are giving you zero wins above replacement value. Jason, how long does that last? I mean, we've already seen signs of it with the Devin Travis demotion, which I personally am am opposed with. I'm having a hard problem accepting the fact that Devin Travis, for largely economic reasons, will be down in the minor leagues while Randall Grichuk continues to get at-bats. Well, what are your thoughts on that moving forward in terms of how the Jays adjust with underperformers in a so-called competitive wildcard year? Well, the main thing is just to keep calm and look at the back of the baseball card. Uh, Donaldson and Stroman have a track record. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of them. The fact that young guys like Teoscar Hernandez and and Lords Goriel have come up and provided a spark for the team uh, to to get this winning month against uh, you know a lot of really really good teams in the division. So I think you got to look at this and and be happy. Um, because you know those guys are going to hit. Donaldson's on rehab in, in Dunedin, and you know Stroman is Stroman. He's going to he's going to right the ship. He's he should be the one guy that we we worry about the least. And I would even take it a step forward and say Morales. You know, while he there's a lot to to be desired until Donaldson comes back and shows that his arm is healthy and can play uh, effective third base. You also have to hope that and think that Morales will play to the back of his baseball card as well, which if he provides you 20 home runs, uh, you could do worse. So, Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, people hate to, to hear this, but it is still early. I think that there's still a lot to, to be written uh, in terms of this season. There's another five months um, of games. And, you know, I, I, I mean – Sometimes you're down and sometimes you're up. And, you know, I mean, just mentioning Devin Travis, I mean, he had a, a, a terrible April last year and then a great May. Um, he's had those sort of streaks before. Um, but also I think uh, Devin Travis uh, really didn't play an awful lot of baseball over the last 12 months. Um, he looked really good in spring training, but spring training is what it is. And I think getting back into, you know, into major league ballparks and playing with guys who aren't uh, just sort of fooling around with, 
with uh, pitches and, and are really competing. Uh, I, I think that uh, he probably does need a little bit of work to get himself up to speed. Um, uh, Marcus Stroman, uh, for the all of the bravado that was involved with him uh, wanting to get back and wanting to pitch in the in the opening series this year, uh, in spite of how little that he pitched during spring training, he is probably still working his way back. Um, he's had uh, games where he's had a, a number of good innings and then and then sort of one really bad inning. So. You know, I think that all this stuff in, in you know, the longer scope of the season is going to, to start to even out. Uh, Marcus Stroman is not going to have an 888 uh, ERA at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, um, so uh, a lot of this stuff is going to even out a, a bit. In terms of Randall Grichuk, I mean, I, I think the that he's a guy that they have, they, they have invested some, some, uh, capital in and 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 frankly they they just have to to ride with him i don't think that they're going to be able to get him through waivers someone is gonna take a shot at, uh, at sure. him if they get the chance and and i i just uh, they are a little bit stuck with a guy that doesn't have any options at this point so they're gonna have to find ways to give him the best opportunity to, to succeed that he can Oh, just to echo on your point, uh, Dow, it is still early. Grichik has a yeah. he he has a big swing, um, but he's adjusting to a new league too. You know, if if we're judging the rest of the season on April, um, that's just a really naive and short-sighted way to do things uh, because there is natural regression built in for some of these guys that have got off to incredible starts. Um, but we also got to expect that you know the 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 guys will play to the back of their cards. So I, if Grichuk provides you 240 with with 25 to 30 home runs, I think you got to ride through the through the rough start because when he gets hot, he can carry an offense. Well, and I I don't disagree with that perspective necessarily, but I think he's been very fortunate that he is part of a crop of outfielders who are off to just a sensational start this year, right? If you look at, at the Pierce Granderson platoon and Kevin Pillar, you can do no wrong right now with those hitters. And then you throw in Teoscar, who's just setting all sorts of records, uh, personal franchise records for his first 30, 35, 40 games as a Blue Jay. The, the team itself has has nothing but riches in that regard. Whereas you look at the infield, and and most of your infield positions are either on the DL or or off to really cool starts. Even Smoke, after his great uh, start for the first two weeks of the season, has, has cooled off considerably. But but I see what you're saying, and and I'm wondering, you know, if we consider looking at the back of the baseball card, we knew coming in that Randall Grichuk has a f- career 30 to 35 percent strikeout rate. And if there's one thing that I guess hurts a little bit more when a team is off to a good start, and feel free, whoever wants to jump in first, how, how do you reconcile the fact that the Blue Jays want to become a more disciplined lineup by giving a player who's never shown any discipline a chance to succeed? It just seems to me like something's a little counterintuitive that Devin Travis is, is, is taking at-bats in the minor leagues and Randall Grichuk is hitting barely his weight here in the majors, and we're fine with that. Well, you made the point, Ari, that uh, the outfield is has quite a bit of riches, so you can hide Grichuk away a little bit there. They can cover 
whatever he's whatever he's not providing in the lineup, they're they're picking him up. Where on the infield there is that lack of depth. But to Dow's point, you know, Travis has not played a lot of baseball, and I yeah, think the key to to the top of the Blue Jays order is is a confident Devin Travis. Um, I don't think he'll be down long because once he gets going, uh, he should be right back up. Because I also don't see you know at least sustainable or sustainability with Gurriel, uh, you know, over the course of the next month. I I think that so much about uh about this season um for me that that uh that I've really drawn is is just about how much more of a team this is. Uh you know where I think that even in some of the successful years they had a good team but they had a bunch of really high-end uh stars who were who who were kind of slotted into roles and and to some extent uh it, it sort of rolled um, you know, the rolling out the same lineup on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I think that, that what's been really, I mean, really kind of cool to watch as a baseball fan is to see just how much uh, John Gibbons has had to do this year, but also how much he's had to work with. And so, you know, uh, if they had had to run Randall Gritchick out there every day or, uh, or Devin Travis out there every day, uh, maybe then you would be a lot more concerned, and chances are the record wouldn't uh, be standing up as it is. But you know the the fact that they have that ability to kind of play off matchups, to uh, to play according to who's hot, and then have guys like like Teoscar come in, like uh, Guriel, who um, I was a little hard on, I think, in uh, it, when I saw him in spring training. But I, I'll say I, I've liked him a lot more. Uh, since he's come up, and and I noticed some some little things in his game that have even refined it in in the past month. So, um, you know, just that whole idea of having these people uh, who are ready to come in, and and I mean, not to go here too quickly, but I think that this is a team that might be in the mix and and may have another bat in the minor leagues that could come in and help them uh, down the stretch. This team has crazy depth, and and Ari, ever since I've been uh, been coming coming on here and talking with you, we've always talked about the lack of depth that the Blue Jays had last mm-hmm. year. How that you know these injuries, it the it essentially is the same injuries. Donaldson's out, Tulo's out, um, so <clears throat> to you know to be able to to rely on I think a healthy Aaron Sanchez this year with the additions of Granderson. Diaz and Salarte, who's been a godsend, um, the Blue Jays have a lot more versatility and flexibility to to really cover, you know, those injuries and those and those holes from you know uh, when players are struggling. So this is, I think, the biggest difference. Another thing that that we we talked about a lot before was the lack of athleticism, and now this team has young athletic guys in the lineup. Uh, that can take that extra base. So everything that we talked about last year, this is this is the culmination of what we're seeing in, in the roster that that uh, Ross Atkins constructed. So I think there's a lot to be excited about going forward, especially if one unnamed teenager does need to be the the second half boost uh, that the team needs to make a a playoff push. Well, it's it's so ironic you would bring that up, knowing that 
the excitement you just talked about is being generated from mostly young and or redemption projects, reclamation projects, right? I mean, we are able to look away from the frustrations associated with, uh, with Chulo and Donaldson not being in the lineup and Travis struggling and Agrichuk struggling when we have people like players like Jan Hervis Solarte and Aledmus Diaz early on stepping up. And then you throw in Teoscar Hernandez, you throw in Gurriel, you've got a nice mixture of young players, you've got a mixture of some players who have something to prove. That's not rocket science. If, if the Blue Jays had that last year, they would have had an infinitely better season. But rather than having this versatility, fans were forced to endure what was a, a really disappointing year. And, and I agree with both of you. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that. Except I have one problem with one player on this roster right now for the very reason, Jason, you just set aside related to athleticism. If there's one player who's getting at bats in an effort to get him started and to justify his $11 million annual salary, it's Kendris Morales. Dow, how long do the Blue Jays continue with using a player that, granted, like you said earlier on the back of his baseball card, he should go back to his splits, but he didn't do it last year. And he hasn't done it through this this first month of the season. How long did the Blue Jays wait with Kendris Morales to come back to the old Morales? You know, I think so much of that depends on where they stand uh, in the standings uh, as the season goes on. And, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, something where they're going to have to swallow hard to, to, to eat uh, next year's $13 million salary. Um, but I think that they, that this is this is a lesson learned for Ross Atkins, and and I'm sure that one day he's going to give the interview where he comes clean on what his uh, thought process was and why it was wrong in terms of uh, bringing in Kendris Morales. And uh, as much as we um, might be waiting for for some sort of positive shoe to drop on this, I I, I do. Uh, I do see it as somewhat unlikely that he is going to be a part of the team next year. So, so then it's uh, the 13 plus however much of this year's salary they're they're going to to have to eat. I think that they end up giving him a lot of rope. Um, I think that uh, you know he's said to be a very uh, a very popular guy in the clubhouse, and I, I think you want to be careful, especially with a number of um, of Cuban and 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 the Latin players who uh, I think to some extent um, are, look to him for leadership. Um, and I think that uh, you know that I guess that has some sort of value. But yeah, on the field, it, it's another frustrating year so far, and uh, and and I'm not sure that. Um, the Blue Jays can afford, at least from a results point of view, to, to mm-hmm. keep them much longer. It would seem in the best interest uh, to either either play him in hopes that you know he can get hot, provide value, even if it's in a trade. Now, I don't think that the Kendrys Morales trade market is is bountiful to say the least. But I've seen I've seen players on worse contracts get traded. Uh, you know, Braves fans thought Matt Kemp's contract was unmovable. Um, you know, and and a creative GM can make that work. But it it would it would help if if Morales would actually put up uh, something of value offensively, just 
so that you would have to to eat less. It seems to me that he's probably just keeping a spot warm until one of the young guys not on the 40-man roster hits his way, uh, you know, to Toronto. Uh, at this point, it's you're already paying him. I I think you got to keep him around and you got to give him some starts to keep him fresh and hopes that those yeah. are hot. But I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't think you can eat it. I don't think you can just eat the salary now until you have, you know, someone ready to, to step in, you know, that's not a 34-year-old minor league utility infielder or anything like that. So, And just just to jump back in here, you know, I think the, the other thing that really changes the narrative on all of this, at least in terms of the short term, is if – uh, if an injury happens with the Blue Jays, if Justin Smoke uh, gets injured, well, then suddenly Kendris Morales becomes that much more uh, valuable to them, either uh, stepping in and taking starts at first or, or uh, um, uh, you know, freeing up uh, some of the or, – or allowing Steve Pierce to go over and take those at-bats. And, again, if it happens elsewhere, if somebody else loses their DH or, or – what have you? Then you know maybe that uh, maybe that opens up some some other possibilities. So you know I, I mean I know that people are in a rush uh, on, uh, on 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 Kendris. I mean I, I and it's hard to be patient when you see the sort of results that um, that he gets. I mean you know if if Kendris Morales hit the ball into the ground at 105 miles per hour, but could also get down the line, he would be a great, he, he would probably be a player that we, we could rally around. But the fact that, you know, he hits these screaming line drives into short right field and, and, uh, and gets thrown out on them. Uh, I think that he has some skills that within this sort of um, culture of, of defensive shifts and, and whatnot, I, I think um, it, it sort of blunts some of uh, the, the positive impact that he could have had um, versus, say, four or five years ago. Which is a shame, isn't it, for a, a player that has playoff experience, is a World Series winner, a great clubhouse guy. You know, you, you mentioned the the chemistry that comes from shared ethnicities or, or relata- relatable cultural ties and one of the things that I'm enjoying about this Blue Jays team is just how diverse they are. You know, that that dugout is chock full of Cubans. It has a Venezuelan. It has Mexicans. It has Japanese players. It's got a nice mix right now of Americans, obviously, with Canadians. So I think that that can create a really healthy camaraderie. And provided that Morales can give you even 50% of what he once was, you know, we're, we're nowhere close. Like I'm, I, I'd like to see the designated hitter position for this team being utilized accordingly. And when you don't have speed and when you don't have any intangibles that you bring to the table, let's turn our attention now to what maybe a quick glance at the minor leagues by virtue of the fact that I know you both are truly experts in understanding what's happening at both double A AA and triple A what do you expect could happen along the lines of maybe a pleasant surprise from some of the overachievers right now in New Hampshire? Because all I'm reading out of there is that they are going to rewrite some record books at this level of offensive productivity. Let, let me get you to chime in on that first, uh, Jason. Uh, bold prediction, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be in Toronto by June 15th. Hmm. Um there is absolutely – I mean, this is a Bryce Harper, Mike Trout talent. 
I understand people, you know, will will scream at me all day about you don't understand how the arbitration process works. Um, I I do. I also understand what teams want to do to win. The biggest thing is not ever calling a guy up mid-season. It's always starting him on the roster at the beginning of the season. At this point, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is the best hitter in the minors. He could be the he's probably the hottest hitter in all of baseball right now. Um, and he's and he's only tapping the surface of his of his potential. There's the the boost that he would bring. We're seeing it a little bit in Atlanta with Ronald Acuna. Any coincidence that yeah. they lose two games on the road to a three and eighteen team that he gets the call? He's just all of a sudden now good enough and has worked on what he needs to work on at AAA. Vlad's in a different Vlad's in a different setting. So I you know being at AA not expected. It was never about you know, breaking camp with the team. Um, but he showed what he could do when he got to play in big league spring training games. Uh, and now he's just, he's taken that next step that, that I was on here talking about and, and other people who, who have seen him were saying it's coming, you know? <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, there's a, there's a lot that that's really, interesting that's happening at the, at the minor league level. I mean, and it seems like all of them have recognizable names, uh, the Kevin, uh, Vigio, uh, how he's gotten off to a great start. Um, I'm hearing great stuff about Casey Clemens in, uh, in Lansing at this point. Um, you know, there's, there's just, there's, there's a lot, uh, uh you know, I think of optimism, uh, in terms of what's going to happen uh, in the coming years, in terms of in the short term. You know, one of the things about raising the floor is that the Blue Jays have, uh, I, I, I guess, not a lot of room on their 40-man roster at this point. And, you know, uh, I, I think that there were some shockwaves sent uh, around uh, Blue Jays fandom when they heard that Troy Tulowitzki was, uh, quote-unquote, resuming baseball at activities and it seems kind of absurd if you go back a couple of years and think about how overjoyed we were when we heard that the Blue Jays were acquiring him and to think just a short time later people are dreading the fact that maybe the, he's going to create a uh, roster crunch and, and the Blue Jays are going to end up having to lose a player uh, if he gets activated off that 60-day DL. So, you know, um, that's one other consideration, I guess, when it comes to, say, Vladi. If if Vladi is coming up on June 15th, there's someone who's coming off that roster. And, I mean, I guess presumably that's Kendris Morales. But, uh, it, it, you know, if anyone else were to, to um, be brought into the fold in any way, like, for instance, and I don't know, I've just got such a, a soft spot for Jason Lovelabesian, and eventually I'm going to say his name on this podcast without stumbling over <laughs> the first time. But, um, but. Uh, you know, like that's a guy who who could potentially be a useful guy for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, just depending on what happens uh, with with some other uh, injuries or whatever, if they need sort of that multi-positional player to come in and, and fill in. But he's not on the forty man, and uh, so uh, so again, I mean, I think that that does sort of uh, limit what the what the Jays are able to do. Um, so, uh, you know, it's there's there's a lot of depth there. How they're gonna sneak uh, depth from uh, from 
the minor leagues onto the major league roster is, uh, is uh, I guess, a nice problem to have at this point. Well, and credit must be given, as begrudgingly as it sounds, coming from someone who initially was very critical of the off-season moves in terms of symbolism. You know, I, I looked at them for what they were, reinforcement of depth, but I ignored something that I would later come to realize very recently, which is the impact that these moves have made, all these moves have, have made in terms of creating a, a pecking order of dangling the carrot on the stick from the organization's perspective to players who want to succeed. I mean, the, the Blue Jays have quietly, surreptitiously gone about creating a level of redundancy where if you can't hit your weight, if you can't play this game the way we want you to, we'll have someone else who can. And it's remarkable. Competition, baby. Competition is the key, especially where competition did not exist before. And I I agree with you, Dow, that that having the return of Tulowitzki be viewed as a quite, you know, almost dreaded scenario shows you how fleeting the athlete has in the public eye when it comes to affection and adoration, how quickly it ends. And right now there are a lot of different personalities like a Curtis Granderson, and a Steve Pierce and a and a um, young Hervis Solarte, basically telling fans, "Hey, we're here too, and we can contribute." And if Kevin Pilar goes into a prolonged slump, no problem. If Jaime Garcia or Marco Estrada or Marcus Stroman can't get themselves righted the way they need to, Joe Biagini's waiting. And in the bullpen, with the rock solid back end that now O is a part of, with Barnes, Tepera, and Asuna. You've got guys who are going to get pushed there, and Axford's going to get pushed. And, and I think this is really quite fascinating because it is genius. It's moving away from the era of having to go out and get an Edwin Encarnacion at a 20 to $25 million expense, or even now getting a Kendris Morales. Because as we've now seen, with the young talent on the horizon, the future for the Blue Jays will be based on players who are part of a meritocracy, right? Can we agree on that? They're going to have to prove that they belong or the young kids will come in and run, run, just roughshod over them. How do you, how do you guys feel about that in contrast to what was last year? I mean, it's almost like the Blue Jays evolved in baseball philosophy over one year, where I can take them seriously for what they're planning, as opposed to just going all in the way Anthopolis did and hoping that these high-priced guys pan out, because nobody wants to gamble. And that's that's the key. Um, you know, it, everyone wants the splash. Everyone wants the big-name guy until they don't play up to the contract and you're dreading their return from the DL. Um, nobody would would be concerned with that roster crunch if Chulowitzki didn't have an albatross hanging over the team in terms of money owed. Um, but to your point, it's now that guys know that they're they're getting pushed, you're seeing the performance, and guys aren't going to get pushed if you bring in a Mike Stanton. Okay, he's here. He's a, great. We're going to be better, but that's not necessarily going to make the rest of those guys step their game up in order to keep their job. And I've been singing the praises of these moves all season because it provided that low-key depth where the expectations were so low that anything that could go right, you know, would look yeah exponentially yeah. greater to the fans. Yeah, you know, I mean, raise the floor was sort of the Joe hashtag, you know, through the off season. But 
and and it was it's really an unsexy way to uh to build a franchise and yet at the same time like that's what you have to do and and if you look at what happened in Cleveland and that's the automatic team that we're going to have to look at oftentimes when you're talking about how this team is being built and and what it all means you know that's a team that that was very much built in that same way of just having waves of of new players come in uh to to either compete with with uh, the ones who were there or to uh, to push them um you know this is and it also too it allowed the blue jays over the last two years to hold on to some players and you know if you think about some of the guys who uh, people were ready to get rid of. Um, Sean Reed Foley is one of the guys who I think was traded in imaginary trades probably two or three trillion times over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. if you take a look at what he has put up, and look, scouting a stat line, granted, but the guy is, is now suddenly two-to-one strikeouts to walk, uh, walk, and he's got a an ERA just over one and a whip under uh, under one at this point, like, this is who they thought he was going to be. And thank God that it's in the Blue Jays system uh, rather than sitting in somebody else's and maybe uh, making a move to, for that, for, for him to come up and, and, uh, and be that sort of next wave for another team. So, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that people got really frustrated with. They didn't see the splash. I think I've probably written about five different things over the past 10 years about why that sort of, uh, anticipation of a splash is 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 sometimes um, uh, a trap for fans to fall into. But I think that you know, again, this has been a really fun season. The fact that you mm-hmm. you have to look at the lineup every single day. You have no idea who's going to be hitting and where they're going to be hitting in the lineup and where they're going to be playing. Uh, you know, uh, in, in in the field. Uh, today was a great feel-good day, and, and frankly, the best feel-good story of the season was Curtis Granderson, who was sitting on the bench for it. So, you know, that uh, this is this is a this is a fun team. I think it's a it's a team that is uh, that is well built, and for a team that right now is just trying to sort of bridge between um, between competitive windows, the fact that they are still able to field a team that I think um, is uh, is competitive in some pretty tough circumstances, I, I think that in some ways that this front office has not gotten nearly the credit that they, that they deserve. Still early in the season and all the wheels can come popping off at any point, but I, I do think that there's... Uh, there's some uh, added admiration that I have in terms of uh, the work that they've done over the last couple of years and coming into this season. I want to end this roundtable off with one final question that just popped into my head as you were so eloquently spelling out how much fun this season has been, how Blue Jays fans are enjoying what they're seeing. Winning is fun. Having winning months of baseball will get you to the postseason. What does it say when you can do it without Josh Donaldson? And how much of an impact will that have on management's probably greatest decision this year, which is to be or not to be with Josh Donaldson? Amazing. That's my one word that I would think about it. No, I was going to say, is it the versatility? Is it the fact that it's almost a win-win situation now? If they choose not to sign him, they can say, look, we've built real team chemistry and we have parts that can win without him. 
Or if they do something, Absolutely. they can say, look, we're going to put him in with all these parts and become a credible 92-94 win team for the next couple of years. I think it, I think it says that <clears throat> the onus is on him to get healthy and prove that he earns the contract. And by doing so, it's going to change that lineup, which is already producing in so many ways, uh, and, and just make that offense a better team. On the flip side... With what's coming and what's already there, I think Jay should feel good no matter what happens, whether he comes, whether he stays, or whether they let him go. Uh, just because the, they're deep enough and there's enough talent on the horizon to, to kind of soften that blow, I think it's a win-win. It's going to be an amazing situation um, on both sides. Yeah, for me, it comes right back to team again. And, and you know, you, you definitely want to have high-end players. And Josh Donaldson is one of these guys who is sort of the, I think, the exception um, or is an exceptional player in the sense that he's the one who can go in, go out and, and get you seven and eight and nine win seasons. And those added couple of wins that come out of, uh, come out of the single player in your lineup uh, it, it's something that's hard to replicate, and, and those guys are, are worth a lot. But you still need to build a team, and uh, and you know, uh, so and a team is twenty five guys on the roster and forty on the on on the forty man, and and you know, hundreds as part of the system. So uh, you have to be careful about how much you sort of sell out for that one guy uh, who, uh, at the top end. Um, now, having said that, I think that there, I got a question today on Twitter and someone asking me, well, doesn't this show you uh, how the Blue Jays can actually probably trade Donaldson now and, and uh, because things are going so great? And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. They're in the middle of a four-game losing streak at the time that, uh, that uh, came in. And in that Red Sox series and in the, the first couple of games of the Rangers series, wouldn't it have been really nice to have Josh Donaldson in the middle of that lineup? Um, so, you know, uh, as 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 fun as Jan, Jan Herbis Salarte uh, can be, uh, as as fun as, as much fun as I've had watching Lourdes Goriel, Josh Josh Donaldson uh, makes this a better team anytime that he walks onto the field. So, uh, so I, I think that. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be so quick to send him out of town, and I wouldn't be um, uh, I wouldn't be so quick. Also, though, on the other side, to 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 hang all of the the team's future at um, at his locker. Absolutely, you look at you look at kind of the amazing seasons that Granderson has had, and 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 that production and Solarte. There's natural built-in regression with those guys. With Josh Donaldson, there is no regression that you can expect as the season goes on uh to think of of that that a winning month would be uh justification to say that we can play without him is is really kind of a foolish thought but at the same point in time um it's allowed the depth to really shine through so it's going to put the jays in in a in an interesting situation at the end of the year because i don't think you trade him because i think they're going to be competitive the whole year uh, I think that they make the second wild card. Um, but you, this may be the situation where you have to let him walk and, and hope that Harper and Machado 
really kind of eat up the the money on the free agent market, and you can get him back at at a discount. So, usually by now we would have come to some kind of um, dire conclusion about something really profound, but I like that we're keeping it simple because that would, that's what the Blue Jays were in April. They were a very simple meat and potatoes baseball club that got some clutch hitting and timely performances. And even while missing their best player, as you both point out it so eloquently, they still found a way to have a winning season, a winning month rather. And and for me, that, that says everything about how serious this team will be in the eyes of the fans moving forward. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. You've been listening to Jason Waddell from Prospects1500.com. Be sure to check him out at Jason at the game. And the Dow of Steve from Sportsnet. You can be found at, at Dow of Steve. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. We'll be in touch soon here on the Jays Journal Podcast. Oh, thanks a lot, Ari. Thanks, Ari.